Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. We've got uh, Promo Ryan. What's up? Brad and myself. Hey. And this is Addison, I guess, since you're not looking at me, you don't know who myself is. Hopefully by now you can differentiate Brad and my voice, but I know some people still no, We're going to uh, have a lot struggle. of new listeners, too. We will, yes. yes. Welcome. Uh, as discussed in previous episodes, today we're going to go ahead and uh, have a long debate. We have not too long, but a, a real debate on two-stroke for four-stroke. I have to say, there's been some people that have been concerned with the uh, previous episode. Talking about your air filter hack. Really? Yes. Yes. Who who was concerned and what was said? I they, they just couldn't believe it. That's all I'm saying. I and it, and we still haven't proven one way or another. Okay. I would like to see how long one lasts. You should be doing a side by side study. Really. So I'm smiling right now because I know that there's a group of people that think I'm absolutely crazy. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. What? You know which side I lean? Yeah, I do. But, I'm for you. I love hacks. I love things like this. Oh, hey. Well, I, but I, I will say I wa- this I want to know that when I start doing it, that I'm not killing that filter or destroy, you know, it's yeah. half-life is now significantly worse. So, a point in my defense oh. is in We'll my... determine who gets the points around here. <laughs> Out of okay. a thousand, we're going to add one point. I don't, I don't think I should even try. I'm just crazy <laughs> no matter what I do right here. So, All right. Are you going to dilute it over. with water now? No. Actually, in the manual, it says to use a high flash point solvent when cleaning your air filter. So really? check your manuals on the process for cleaning a dual stage foam filter. Now, this wasn't the main topic of the day, but now I'm in. You got me. You sucked me in. This is the manual for your bike says to use a high flash point solvent. Now, when you watch on the video. On the air filter? On the air filter. On when the filter that they provide. On the filter OEM. they provide. OEM. And are you, are you using a high an flat, OEM I'm using, filter? I'm using an OEM filter right now. Okay. Yes. So now, the, the expert I'm just that you found on the <laughs> internet, was he using the same bike filter? Did he have the same bike as you? It's no, he's not, and yes, we're getting into nitpicking here. But the point in my defense is the fact that the manufacturer does call for a high flash point solvent when cleaning the filter. So I will take it with a grain of salt, though, to the fact that I'm going to watch the filter after using something as corrosive as a paint as paint thinner on cleaning it. But I'm telling you guys, like I I actually did it last night. I cleaned my filter again. Okay. And paint Ooh, thinner. Okay. And it literally is the easiest Post-processed thing to do. with Dawn? No, actually, I, oh! I, I listened to you guys and I was like, oh, <laughs> hey, what, let's see what happens if I don't use dish soap and water on it. And I rinsed it off with a hose and it was just as good as when I went through the ex- extra process. Okay, so, so total time. Total time? Once the filter was out. Uh, between less than starting ten, and less than less than ten and minutes. starting to dry, I guess less, ten minutes less than ten minutes. That's with cleaning the air box air box out, which I will say sure, that which is a job. Yeah, well, yep. I will say this much with uh, actually to use paint thinner on the inner parts of your plastic. I use the paper towel that I drive the filter off 
was a little bit wet. And I was like, ah, you know, this is kind of like solvent or whatever else. It's got all that filter grease and what other like waterproof grease on the inside. And you should see Addison's face right now. It is the <laughs> best thing right now. But literally, it, it's it, it, we'll see what happens with the plastic. But took all the grease off. Took all the filter oil off, went back through with a dry paper towel just to make sure I didn't have any extra residue in the box. But I would say that, like, I mean, if you have a good degreaser, I'm sure it's probably the same thing. I would say that the only time that I've run into an issue with paint thinner when I was working on models is you do not want to use it on clear plastic. Gotcha. At least on the model grade plastic. Now, there may be differences, right? Yeah, yeah. I think models, models are going to ABS, right? Right there, and they're not going to be out going through anything, right? But other plastics that it was fine. To yeah, use the paint thinner on to clean up. Like if I got some extra paint on it from a side part or whatever the case was, but if I try to do it on a windshield for a model, it totally destroyed the window. Okay, not deforming it, but just giving it a grayed appearance. I gotcha. I mean, yeah, that might have to do with like gloss and dealing with the actual. I guess it was like it etched it. Would be my concern. Okay, and so are you in the process etching your plastics, that and you don't even notice it because they're not clear. So if they're etched right, they're going to gather dust and particles. Guys, with how easy it made the whole job, I mean, it's really. I'm I'm happy this is such a point of controversy (laughs) with everybody here, but really, I mean, I I would say it's as much discussion as it is, it's worth you guys taking like the 20 bucks and like buying a crap filter. You're never going to use ever again. Like run it through his paces, dirty can it up. Can we use like your motorcycle? No. If I buy a filter, can I use your no. motorcycle? No, this no, is no, a no. good point. I like the experiment. Just buy a filter, dump it in a, a jug of, of uh, thinner and leave it there for a day. See what happens. We'll know pretty quick. A day is, right, a lifetime of filter cleanings. Proof is in the pudding here. <laughs> but I would say, guys, honestly, I get it. I know. That's what I'm saying. I want to see the experiment because okay. I love hacks. I like this. I would want to try it, and I want to know how it affects the product over the lifetime. Right? I, would, I would say we could. I don't develop. want to have to buy a $15 filter every few times because I destroyed it using a solvent when I could have just spent a few more I mean, time there's, minutes. There's guidelines to all of it, but I mean, we could test out the process to where you see, like, hey, if you leave it in there for this amount of time, you're going to hurt your filter after this period of time. But at the same time, you should be honestly cycling through new I mean, filters into your system as you go through life. And yeah, you're giving me a weird look, but... At, at to a point, sure, like, every handful of years. Yeah, you need but if to, you're watching your filter every other ride, right? That now you're talking right every fifty uh, cleaning cycles. I gotcha. I I, I guess I'll, I will end my my portion or contribution to the discussion with. I, I love that this is so controversial, <laughs> and is getting everybody so fired up about because. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you should watch what chemicals you use on your motorcycle, obviously. I mean, for obvious reasons, but I mean, this makes this job way easy. So. That's fair. And I, I think it would be worth doing the experiment. Right. Okay. You spark some interest. <laughs> Happy I'm less job. a critic and more of a skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> You're an engineer. That's your job. That's fair. <laughs>
So we lost uh, someone already. We're trying a new time, new day, playing some games here with the uh, with the cast recording. But um, Ryan, so you went as we get into the meat of this two versus four. You went from your two stroke to a four stroke. Let's start off with the main differences you've noticed. Good or bad? Yes. Start okay. with the bad. Okay, so for the bad, um, I went from a 250cc uh, dirt bike to a 450cc four-stroke motorcycle, which I would say the obvious cons right off the bat that I've noticed for my old bike and my new bike is weight. And okay. I, like moving the bike around, cutting into turns... Jumping, whatever it is, uh, the my my old bike was definitely lighter, so I'd say that's kind of a con with the new one. But right off the bat, um, I I just don't know how to describe the fact of not having to work the clutch when you're riding, especially off road, is awesome. And actually, I've got my counterpart here who's being my four stroke guru on the proper technique and riding. A four-stroke is something I've had to learn is not slipping the clutch. That was hard for you. <laughs> Welcome, Dennis. <laughs> if you hear the uh, the docile tones of Dennis, as well as a little bit of a uh, little bit of entertaining food and drink use, we've allowed it for the day. <laughs> so no worries on that. But uh, yeah, you've uh, you've owned. Both two and four strokes. What uh, what are your thoughts on the negative going to a four stroke? Just wait. Like Ryan already said, I switched from four stroke to two stroke. My four stroke was heavier than Ryan's new four stroke is. So it was a huge difference for me. Uh, I was about ready to give it up because I was just getting beat up. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it was one season where I didn't ride hardly at all and then I figured well I'll I'll try this two-stroke bike everybody's talking about the TM300 and how awesome it is and how calling it an old guy cheater bike <laughs> and uh it sounds like uh that's what I need so I figured I'll try that and then if I like it then I'll, I'll keep going and if not then I guess that's it for dirt bikes for me I'll just stick with street bikes and okay. uh, but after I got that KTM 300 two-stroke uh, I, I, I got my, I got my mojo back. I just wanted to ride dirt bikes all the time because it was so light and so fun. And, uh, it, it was a little step up from the, the four stroke bike I had. It was a, it was a fast bike. It was a Husqvarna, uh, TE 450 in 08, one of their first fuel injected bikes. It was really fast. Uh, but it was just too much work to, to ride it off road. So the KTM uh, two-stroke was was really what uh, it really resonated with me. So, so and I've ridden some of the newer four-strokes. I rode Ryan's. He was lucky, nice enough to. I was lucky enough to be able to try it when he got it, and uh, and then I tried another buddy's brand new Husqvarna 450, which he claimed on paper was just as light as the 300 two-strokes. And, uh, I, so I, I rode both of those on trail and although they're really nice bikes and even my buddy's Husqvarna 450, he said 
is just as light as a two-stroke. It does not feel as light. Mm. Okay. I think there's a lot more rotating mass, and just riding it onto the trail, it, it doesn't feel as light and as flickable. So you've gone back to the two-stroke game. Yeah. Just after you convinced him to go to the four-stroke game. Ryan, to go to the four-stroke game. I didn't convince him. <laughs> I didn't convince nothing. If he would have asked me, I would have said, get a KTM two-stroke. That's, that's fair. That's why I didn't ask him, because I wanted the new four-stroke. <laughs> I knew exactly what he'd tell me to go by. But he's racing. See, I'm not racing. That's I'm, fair. I'm just riding trails. I'm just a trail now, guy. Now, I... It's true. So, is, it the, yeah. is it that much of a di- I know it's a difference, right? You're not... Oh, my gosh. I mean, one versus the other, but... Single track on my big 450 versus a two-stroke bike, like, you honestly, it's night and day difference. To be able to be light enough, but still have enough torque when you need it, like, the two-stroke destroys trails. That's what it's built to do. But, I mean, if you're going to keep long, consistent power over, like, straight stretches or trying to like boost a jump like i tried to do a couple weekends ago and failed miserably (laughs) (laughs) um the the four strokes just a lot of fun you know i've going to the racing you know conversation i i would generally argue that you would want a two-stroke for the weight when you're racing when you're passing when you're hitting corners when you're racing now i realize you're doing enduros which is a different sort of race. But uh, if I were to amateur race motocross, I would think I'd want a two-stroke and that hit a power more than I would want the four-stroke. I mean, it just really gets into your use case, though. Like, what, what when you say racing, what do you mean? Because, well, I mean, that, that means a lot. Myself of and other people trying to get there first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Motocross. <laughs> Jumping or, like, you're doing kind of a hybrid. Yeah. Which has got some motocross track and some woods riding yeah so but still you got jumps oh right? yeah totally like and what i understand the four strokes if you turn a corner and you're looking at the bottom of a jump you can twist the throttle and it will launch you over that with enough torque you're going to clear it you're, you're, whereas a two stroke you got to be in the power oh that's like yeah your your power band is just awesome on the four stroke it's yeah like then, as I said, you come out of a turn and you need everything right then is it's right on your right hand. It's not like a two stroke where you got to build up to getting into the pocket of what your power band is. And I mean, it just from looking at my buddy's ride, because we talked about this last time, they are running like 2000s, like late 90s, 125s in these races. And it's pretty much just wide open the whole time. So. Yeah, but I i mean, it really, I, I wouldn't say necessarily you've got to go to one style, I, because really it just depends on what you like to do and what you're comfortable with, because there's, there's guys ripping on four strokes as well as there's guys ripping on two strokes, so I mean, really it just depends on what you're comfortable with and what you're used to riding, so I, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody always says, like, get more saddle time that's how you're going to get good with your bike so so that's fair i mean there's a there's a comfort there's what you want now if we get into more of the the guts of the conversation right two for two stroke versus four stroke not on a personal level but on more of a reliability or simplicity level where do you guys stand on that is it worth so you've now worked on ryan your your two stroke where you had some issues 
and you've replaced it with a four stroke, should this have issues or, or whatever might happen, because you're using it hard enough, stuff, stuff's going to happen. Right. Right. I mean, where do you stand on that, that simplicity of work and reliability? I mean, right now, it's way more reliable because it's new. So, <laughs> I mean, when I get to that interval of the maintenance cycle, we'll talk about it. But, I mean, just from doing research on the two engine styles, if I if you're going to pose the question, which one would I want to crack and do like a top end on or like kind of like a major maintenance on two-stroke all the way just from accessibility to everything that you need to change as far as like a top end or like checking your cylinder out um but at the same time with your four-stroke it's less of a or it's more of a period in between those to where you're not doing it as often as well as i've heard the term bulletproof and I'm not going to say it because I don't want <laughs> to go ride next week and have something blow up because I said that. <laughs> sure. But, yeah, I would I would say that that's more desirable on my side. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? You've wrenched on both of them, Dennis. I mean. No, two strokes way simpler. Not fewer parts. Four stroke. Although they don't need to be rebuilt as often when they do need to be rebuilt. It's expensive. Some of the work you cannot do yourself. Head work. Most people can't do it themselves. Right. Two stroke, you can do it all yourself. Easy. And I've kind of drank the Kool-Aid as far as that goes, too, is I'm okay with paying a little bit more when I do have to go do, like, a top end because I know I'm going to get that many more hours out of it before I have to do it again, you know? So I guess from that end... That's one of the benefits to it is like if you're talking just pure hours in between doing a major maintenance like that, I like the four stroke better there. But like Dennis said, if you're going to wrench on it yourself, there's a lot less parts you have to change out for the two stroke. I guess that's fair. Now, uh, what are the, what's the service interval on your bike, Rand? Your, your bikes are both pretty new. When do you do oil change? When do you do any of your minor or major services? Do you know offhand? Uh, I mean... When does the manual suggest that you need to do it? The manual says every six races you need to change your oil filter and oil. I've been doing it every two. And um, from using 4T, 1040, it, it comes out dark and cloudy after two races. Like, we're running fast enough that that's good enough i don't know how you gauge like your oil but i mean like it comes out looking dirty like it's sure. it's been used right so i agree i mean yeah you can send it in and analyze and all that sure. but right. if it if it looks right if it comes out fresh you're doing it too soon and it's it's been working so far so i did, did an oil change last night like i said so <laughs> every six races is that an hour count on that or just every six uh, races? it's like 15 hours which i would suggest too no matter what bike you have the best investment you can make is an hour meter just because if you are curious about that um on top of the fact it's a tack too so if you're looking to get your rpms dialed on um your engine it's already there too since you're already going off the the coil wire so I'd say that's a major benefit. I haven't got to the hours yet just because yeah, I've been racing and running hard as it is. It's just been like, yep, okay, cool. Time to change the oil. Been running long enough. 
So eventually I'll get there. So how about on the 300? Do you know your your intervals on that? Well, the engine oil, you change it every time you twist the throttle because it's pre-mix. <laughs> 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 Which is nice. Yeah. should still have case oil, right? <laughs> it does. It has transmission oil, which uh, has to be changed according to the manual every 20 hours. Okay. So a little longer than the 15 hours expected on the four-stroke. But still quite often. Sure. Yeah. So uh, it's less than a liter in there. Granted, you're running a KTM, too. So mm-hmm. if it was a, a similar-sized... Cowie or Yamaha, it'd probably be a little longer service interval. KTM runs a little hotter. Yeah, I mean, they, like I said, they only got less than they got less than a liter in there, so it doesn't take long for that uh, that oil to get used up. But uh, if you had a bigger reservoir, then that'd probably extend your sure your uh, service interval. But uh, again, in the, in the in the quest for lightweight. They make the the engine capacity smaller and smaller these days. That means you have to replace them more often. That's okay. I mean, really, at that <clears throat> capacity, it's pretty inexpensive to, you know. Speak for yourself, man. Uh, Are you running it, KTM? It synthetic uh, oil is uh, not cheap. Hold on, you're not running the uh, the not, Rotel? Not no, not on the KTM, bro. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> Yeah, you were always a big fan of that. We'll get into that on another oh, week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Suzuki is fine with Rotella, but not the, uh, not the KTM. <laughs> I don't know this is the place is to get deep into Is that experience or just your, your concern, your stress? Uh, I haven't actually tried it on the KTM yet, but I have a BMW that doesn't like Rotella. It shifts huh. uh, not noticeably. Uh, the shift performance is, is worse with the Rotella. It likes the expensive stuff for some reason. That's because it's a BMW. Suzuki GSXR, no problem. Just no change. Runs Rotella. Hmm. Can't tell the difference. Yeah. Good point. Hmm. That's fair. Does yeah, do you know offhand the top end replacement hours? Uh for the three hundred? Yeah. Uh I think they recommend uh forty hours if you're racing, eighty hours if you're not. But okay. most people go 100 to 150 without sure. problems. So and, most you know, people go 100. Hours wise, that's that's a long, especially if you're just casually weekend riding. Yeah. It is a long time to go. Yeah. I mean, we're talking a few years. Yeah. For some people. Some people might do it once a season. Sure. Really top end. Mm-hmm. Man, those guys are getting out way more than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So really, I don't know, going into the reliability or the, the service requirements, it doesn't seem like there's a huge gap. And we're still talking two very different bikes, but the simplicity, I agree. So uh, I've got a two-stroke, and before that, I've had other two-strokes. I haven't done the four-stroke dirt bike game, so I am incredibly biased, but I like the simplicity of the two-stroke, the, the ease of of working and checking things, and, it, it, you know, it's all right there. Especially if you want to stay with the older used market, right? Sure, that's fair. If you want to get a modern four-stroke, the newer ones, they perform quite well. And they're not as heavy, heavy as the old ones. But if you're if you're a person that likes to have a uh, an older bike with a lower uh, price point entry, uh, then obviously I think the two strokes are a good way to go. Like an older YZ, oh yeah, or YZ two hundred and fifty, very light, a lot of power. Whereas an older four stroke, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be a pig. Sure. Not going to be as fun. Sure, that's fair. And, I mean, arguably, 
if either of you, I mean, I think if we weighed our two bikes, my old 362 stroke and your new 454 stroke, they might be pretty similarly weighted. And when you, when you get into weight too, like you got to think if you're talking for a used bike, what your suspension is going to offer to the weight, which, I mean, if you get into like the older, like heavier bikes, like your weight is going to start working against your suspension, your forks and your rear shock to where, like, if you had a lighter bike, it's not going to be that much of a, like, limiting factor due to the fact that you're you're not fighting with the weight of the bike against itself, basically. So, to a point. However, you can go too light, too. Well, yeah. Can't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Because you let me ride your YZ250 when I was looking <laughs> at switching to two strokes. You yeah. let me take a ride on it. Yeah. And it was almost too light and too fast. It was... <laughs> It was a handful, <laughs> and because it was so light, it would it would like get deflected. It didn't have a lot of stability and inertia, especially on the rocky single track that we were riding that oh, day. Oh yeah, I remember that day. <laughs> you ride it. Oh, you ride it. Oh, that was that was in the parking lot after we went through a trail where we looked over what it was like a thirty foot drop or something off one of the sides. Yeah, but we we won't get into that too much. <laughs> yeah. You're but totally if it's right. really light, and the suspension, I guess if it's not tuned correctly, I get, you know, I'm riding mountain bikes and stuff like that, too. Yeah. You got to have it tuned correctly, and you got to have some really good suspension. Um, otherwise, the bike just kind of gets, you get tied, tossed over over and off your line, and then you're, you're heading off in the wrong direction. I mean, to that point, I know the, the thing I hear about the two strokes most often these days is, is definitely regarding... The small, small two-strokes. A lot of 175s and, and these little guys that, uh, that personally, I, I guess I have an older 175, but that's not quite the same ballpark game as we're talking with these newer 175 two-strokes that are tuned for motocross or tuned for running hot. Have you guys had the opportunity to ride any of those, or what are your thoughts on the small two-strokes? 125s are awesome. Have you been on one? Oh, my buddies, like I said, they race on them. And if you're just going to go have fun for the day and literally try to break something every time you ride it the the price point what you get out of the engine as well as like your overall package it, it's a mountain bike with an engine on it basically so yeah it's it's awesome i i don't know how to quantify or put it more in words other than you've got a big smile on your face after you get done riding i would so. imagine i mean you've ridden it then and i imagine the the clutch pull and a lot of the the mechanics that can be heavy, especially on bigger two-strokes, that you can't quite get the engine torque to fix, wouldn't be so bad on those little engines. I would imagine your, your clutch springs can't be that big if you're just pulling a 125. You still have a sore left hand Okay, <laughs> <laughs> from trying to keep in the power band, though, because you think about it, you got to try to stay in the pipe to keep enough power to go through what you're doing. Like, you're, you've really got to mitigate with good clutch control it's not like with my 250 i could kind of cheat by regulating the throttle a little bit depending on what terrain i was running but it's, pre it's pretty much like all out or not out with the 125 i would say okay but i, I mean more than anything i just recommend uh, i'd recommend it to anybody like if you want to get in at a low price point and have just something that's fun to ride and kind of go dink around for the day on. It's awesome. It's so much fun. So, <laughs> so do you see yourself getting back into the two strokes? 
I mean, I've had, I'm not going to lie, after riding my buddies, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have an extra bike here. You know, just like buddy one or whatever else on the odd chance we go rip somewhere and just for the fun of it. I mean, even, even if like you go on a camping trip or something like that for a couple of days, be like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to go take a lap on the fourth straight. Nah, I could do take a little lap on the 125 just because, man. I mean, they're so cheap and it's fun. That's all there is to it. It's fun. Okay. How about you? You sticking with two-stroke? So far, I am. It's a, it's a price point game. I mean, to your point, I generally buy used. And the used four-strokes, unless I'm touring and planning to do more of the dual sport, I don't see a big benefit to the, the four-strokes. The benefit of the four-stroke is a higher top speed, right? On something that's a higher bore, a larger-sized engine for me. That I, uh, you know, that 360 will keep up with just about anything. It, it can do more than I can handle. Right, I can't. I cannot ride that bike as much as it can do and as fast as it'll go without a large flat area. Right, I don't have the cojones to get out on the trail as hot as that bike could be going. So for now, I mean that's doing more than enough from what I need. It's a fun enough bike. It's got enough torque that it really does act like a four stroke in certain situations that I don't have to work it that hard. So yeah. it, for me, that's really been a good middle ground between the two. I know I'm kind of skirting the middle of this conversation, but it feels like my bike does too. So, <laughs> Although it's a two-stroke, I get the simplicity, but it's a little more expensive because it's a little bit more rare. And, you know, when it comes to doing all that work, it's it's not necessarily as low cost as your average two-stroke, but it is just as simple. So there's benefits to that on one side while well, there's negatives on the other. Um, yeah, I could see the, my riding style, especially trail riding, a four-stroke would make a lot of sense. Uh, but... You know, the simplicity and the the cost of the two-stroke is hard to beat. Used two-strokes are significantly less expensive than used four-strokes. Depends. I guess that's fair. Start getting into the more rare and sought-after two-strokes. You can get into some crazy prices, but... Even on four-strokes, you can get, you know, DRZ400s all day long for pretty low cost. I think you're still talking... If you're looking at like a 250, a YZ250 versus a DRZ400, you, uh, generally you're going to find those YZs a lot cheaper. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna interject now as of late because of the massive resurgence of popularity in two-stroke bikes. They're not cheap. It's Really? It, it's one of those things, like, especially a YZ, if you're looking for a YZ250, <laughs> like, get ready to pay sticker. Especially the 06 and the oh, man, right? Like, because that, that's the poster for it is... It's been the same bike since 06. They haven't changed anything on it. Well, it has a KYB yeah. suspension on everybody wants. Right. And uh, unless it's a clapped out YZ250, you're going to have to pay for it. Hmm. All right. Fair I, enough. I, I would say if you're getting into it, too, if you want to look for the beginner side of it, though, as, like, an entry bike, like, the two-strokes are awesome just because, like, whatever your price range is as far as like getting started on the hobby but from like a usability standpoint especially if you have no concept of clutch control um the the four strokes can be your more forgiving option you can from going from like not riding to having a fun day like your learning curve on a four stroke is going to be so much easier versus trying to find the bite in your clutch on your two stroke and not killing it throughout the day you're just going to work yourself out so yeah i can agree with that when i got back into it with my 
my uh, IT-175. It was, <laughs> it was a lot of clutch work. I mean, I was not any steep hill, and I was getting worked every time. Right on. Granted, I'm, you know, a big person, so that was a, a small oh. bike for someone of my of oh. my weight. Oh, yeah. I remember bump starting it in the parking yeah. lot with you on it. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was one of the first times you came back out with us, yeah. right? First Trying to get the thing started out there. First but. time I go riding with this guy. Oh, yeah, come out. Go to Jones Creek. It'll be fun. Did it not have any brakes on it or either something like that? Yeah, the drum brakes needed work. <laughs> <laughs> they were a bit sketchy. <laughs> Front brake was good. Rear brake was pretty shoddy. Oh, God. Which made for exciting downhill adventures. <laughs> but the good part is you'd never lock it up. If you were going down a hill and you needed to not you know, lose your rear end, you just slam on that brake and it would never lock up. It would just barely grab. So, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was an adventure. I, I jumped on Rob's four-stroke. He had his dual sport out there and up one of the hills that I was just struggling with, getting just barely getting back into trail riding because I was doing desert riding before, and that two-stroke, didn't matter what size it was. When you got desert, you can keep it in the pipe the whole time easy, right? Just keep going fast because if you go down, it's just sand. It doesn't hurt. Who cares? Out in the trail, right, you're going around a corner, you go a little slower. So, the uh, yeah, he let me ride that. And it was, usability-wise, that four-stroke is a lot easier to to tame i will give you that yeah for uh the, the steep downhills like you talk about the four stroke because the good engine braking that you can use to help you down the hill especially for newer riders they like that whereas a two stroke has an absence of engine braking so you have to be better on the on the brakes you have to be able to have more precise control whereas a new rider won't have that I, I kind of like that, though, too, on a two-stroke. It, it As far as, like, the downhill mountain bike feel is when you start going downhill, it's like, okay, cool. I don't have to think about my engine on it. It's just going to kind of be out of the factor. It's all my front and rear brake on it versus, like, something I've had to learn is the fact, like, oh, cool, I can use my engine to brake now. It's kind of like a third factor going downhill that I'm, I'm going to be honest, like sometimes I've just pulled the clutch in and gone back to my old methodology as far as like braking. <laughs> but yeah. I guess you get both options. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's definitely, it's, it's a major factor, especially like on a really long dock downhill. It's like, cool. All right. Pop it in first and let the engine do the work on this. I'm just yeah. going to go. Especially if it's not uh straightforward, if it's steep and you have to maneuver around some boulders or, roots or something it helps out hmm. but i kind of like like you said the mountain bike type of thing where you have to use your brakes and weight your pegs and weight the front and rear in order to get it to do what you want that's that's the flickability you talk about right yeah, so. yeah it makes a big difference now tuning and getting the bike ready what what uh, what differences have you noticed on the two-stroke or four-stroke for a four-stroke your tuning is plug and play right I've, I've played with the idol. That's it. <laughs> it's been like now you've got a fuel injected four stroke. If you've got a carbureted four stroke, it's still not quite as picky as far as I've seen. Because I have I mean, between street and dirt, I've got a carbureted four stroke and carbureted two strokes for the dirt. Well, you went, so you're you talking from, one that is pre-configured or that you've been making modifications to? Because I think that's going to play into how much you're going to actually have to tune it. Because if you do a lot of modifications in the carburetor, the exhaust, and other things. You're going to have to tinker with it a little bit more. I think it's pretty uncommon, especially on a dirt bike world, to not have something different, right? An aftermarket pipe. Sooner or later, something breaks, dents, and you replace it, and it needs a slight adjustment. I don't know. 
I feel like tuning a carb is a whole nother day's worth of discussion if you wanted to get into it. Yeah, but on your YZ250, once you had the carb set, did you ever mess with it? Like from day to day, weather conditions or elevation, did you have to adjust the carb? I didn't, no. <laughs> I don't have to. I know a lot of people do. They got those nice screws there that you can turn with your fingers. Yeah. Not have to use a screwdriver so that you can adjust it. Some people adjust it often, mm. but I don't ever touch mine. I'll say that the 360 requires it. Basically, yeah. anywhere I go, there's it won't idle unless it's dead nuts on. Okay. And it requires me. Granted, it was not as clean as it should be, which is now resolved. I've rebuilt the carburetor, and that may be less touchy. But when it was kind of on the jagged edge of needing rebuilt or not with regards to gaskets and, and cleanliness... Um, it was definitely, if it wasn't dialed in, it would not hold idle. And, you know, last time, I think, yeah, you were there when we rode last time. It didn't even want to hold fuel. Can't so tell you back. That was a couple times ago. I've ridden since then. <laughs> that was a whole different issue. Last time I rode with you, I had to tell you back. That is true. <laughs> we don't talk about that, though. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was its own adventure. Yeah. It made it through almost everything, though. It did. Before it finally gummed I up a plug. I tell you for before it finally fouled the plug, we made it through. Well, if you're doing, going through modifications, though, and doing different things, which one are you going to have to put more time into, as far as tuning is concerned, for a different set of pipes, for a larger bore carburetor or anything like that, for intake and opening up your airways? Are they similar? Or is the two-stroke super straightforward? I, I, that's why I'm asking. I don't know. Well, I am a proponent of not messing with your engine at all. Yeah. So I maybe put a pipe on it, but that's it. I don't do any port work or <clears throat> change any reads or Well, but air intake, or... I know you've talked about opening that up on some bikes. And so if you change your intake and your exhaust to some extent, do you not do any modifications to the tuning? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, On the I guess you're right. On the DRZ400, I opened up the airbox and put a pipe on it and changed the jets. But that was basically go to the guys the smart guys on the internet that said here's what you use and you slam that stuff in and it works great the first time you never have to you didn't have to do a lot of adjustments on the no. carburetor no i would just be any good at that okay <laughs> i enjoy getting into that but I it know. depends you, you like to tinker with that kind of stuff but and on the newer four strokes the fuel injected yeah Yes, well, as long as it's within it. reason of what's going on, you have, have a potential tuning change. I, I have to change a little Lego block <laughs> in the wire harness. Move it to from tune. two pins to two pins, or what is it? It's, there's different colored chips, so you don't you don't even have to think about it. It's like, oh, I want really hot fuel mapping. I'm going to put this one in. Or I want really low. I put this one in. Okay. So it's. I know there's there. It's becoming more common to get the fuel injected two strokes as well. So I imagine tuning wise, that's also just as simple. Have you? Has anybody in here had the opportunity to ride or be around them? No. Yeah. Okay. That's something we'll have to we'll have to look into. Yeah. Now it's pre-mixed once again on those. How much do you know of them? Oh, there's an oil reservoir that okay. goes as part of the process. It's part of the emissions counseling that's going through in Europe yep. right now. That anything off road is going to have to go to fuel injected just because of emission standards. So hmm. it's, I, I have a friend who's been researching it quite extensively. He's kind of going from four stroke to two stroke 
and is looking at buying something new. So he's been looking at KTM 300s left and right. But one of the big topics is, should I go to the fuel-injected? Because it's the new hot like system within it. And he could talk for days about that. So we should bring him on the show sometime. You guys would like to talk to Seth. Definitely. Bring Seth in. Yeah, he's gonna, he'll have to make a drive, but he'd like to talk about it. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. What do you guys know? The last topic I want to talk about, now we're getting into the carburetors versus that, but but something I thought about, have you guys used those, the electronic controlled carburetors? Electron? Ele- yeah, the electron carburetors. Have you used or know anybody that's running those? Uh, they have a good reputation. I, from what I've seen, they they run well. You can kind of turn your carburetor into fuel injection of sorts. I, I think that goes to the community of people who like to tinker with their carbs too, just from how you can adjust it that's what it was designed for is for you to play with like the needle and how it associates with the carb is that's what it was engineered for is to let the user kind of dial it so this is an entire carburetor i don't know nothing about it is this an entire carburetor setup that you bolt into let's say my klr 250 and and then i put a box a wire into the harness somewhere on the (laughs) chassis and then is it electronic? It's. I believe it's electronically controlled. Yeah. It's, it, the I think it's more solenoids. The, uh, Isn't it not? No, this one. It's it's manual. It's called talking about different things. So okay. Yeah, electron. Okay. What I understand is a. It's a uh, it's a carburetor, but it's different of a different design. Okay. So, but so you're not getting the same as if you were doing like the direct port injection or any of those other variations between what a carburetor is. And what we would say potentially an ideal fuel injection system would look like. So I'm thinking now like throttle body injection on Chevy pickups and cars and other things from the 80s and 90s, which when they worked, they were fine. But a lot of people had complaints and concerns with them. And I've seen a lot more of that throttle body injection coming back even into the muscle cars and trucks market. And now it sounds like potentially, knowing nothing about this, I'm putting it in the same market as it. So, well, the KTM fuel injection is transfer port injection, so it's like port injection. Okay. Okay. So, I wonder, do you know much about this new system since you're bringing it up? I don't. How dare you? I know. I'm the worst. I just don't know if you have to also include other things. You have to put a bung in your exhaust so it can monitor your air-fuel mixture. and right. How much does it need? Because <clears throat> true uh, fuel injection is going to have a lot more so it can monitor how it's performing so it can adjust itself. Like, I'm sure your bike has something some things on it so it knows how's it how it's running right at the time and like dennis said there's probably somebody out there who's smarter than me who's done the research on this but i mean right now it's running good i really don't think that's about fair it too much with a new now, bike that's so. tuned and set up with everything modern what would you have to change we'll ask you in a couple of years yeah well, well you're, you're gonna have you're gonna be tearing into it a little bit and looking and seeing and i know yeah. you've got that curious mind so I, it'll come up eventually you've changed the chip though I, I actually haven't. I've kept okay. it on the standard mapping okay. just because and <laughs> it's 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 fast. It's you haven't put the hot map in yet? Not yet. <laughs> 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 the look uh, that Ryan is getting. That's what Dennis does for me. So wilderman. The KTM comes with three uh power valve springs. So you, the stock one is the yellow one. You can put the green one in, which is really mild, and you can put the red one in, which is really hot. So you're of running. course, I had to put the red one. You have to, you have to <laughs> see what it's like. So, what are you riding with now? 
Well, I'm back on the yellow. Yeah. <laughs> back on the yellow. <laughs> so was it that significant? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, it was huge. So I wonder, really? what, does yours have anything like this? No. Just a spring? I mean, you can, you can change the reeds. It's all aftermarket. None of it is. There's no factory settings to swap you. those. I would have done it, too. I would have tried it. How many times have you ridden this? How many hours do you have on the spike? You're probably still a little bit scared of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fire breathing dragon. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> Think about what the what it would be like on a. You got you got to try it at some point, right? In the parking lot. Yeah. So we're supposed to go to Central Oregon this weekend. I'm going to bring the black chip with me. Is that the high? That's that's the hot one. The black one is is evil. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'll report back after that. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing. Sounds good, guys. Well, we appreciate everybody coming. Kind of a different day, different setup. We appreciate all the all the support. Um, yeah. Feel free to uh, review, share with your friends, check us out on all the sites. We talk about it every week, but Patreon, Sakamoto Radio, all those places. And, Send uh, us we an appreciate email. It. Send us an email. Yeah. We'll do some listener mail coming up. But, uh, yeah, thanks, Dennis, Ryan. We appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank you, guys. Happy to be here. No sweat. Until next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.